0: In case you've been in a coma or a hole for the last month, God did not bring us this far just to bring us this far. I think that's kind of the conclusion we've drawn over the last couple of months. God didn't bring us this far just to bring us this far. He has more of himself to reveal and more of his grace and more of his love and more of his kindness. And I don't know about you, but I want all I can physically carry and bear on earth. Why don't you take your Bible and turn to Galatians chapter 5. We've been trying to finish up Galatians for a while, and we'll get a little bit further today. Just to give you a little bit of background, Paul, the Apostle Paul, has been traveling to churches, and he traveled to some churches in the region of Galatia. There wasn't a city of Galatia. There was a region, and there were several churches in the region of Galatia. He's traveling through these churches, and he's preaching a message of grace, a revelation that he received from Jesus, that salvation is through grace. It's a gift to be received. And there were some men who were jealous of his following, and so they begin to come along behind him, and they begin to preach Jesus, but they preached a message of works. And their message was, yeah, Jesus is important, but it's also important that you obey the law and become circumcised, completely distorting the message of Paul. Paul said, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. They said, no, it's Jesus and works and Jesus and keeping the law. And so he writes this letter in Galatians to, I mean, to the churches in the region of Galatia, to all these particular churches. And the first four chapters are Paul directly challenging their premise just one instance after another. And he challenges it, and then he responds to a question that he anticipates the receivers of the letter would be asking. And he says, then this... And he would deal with it again. And he approached it every way possible to say that salvation is through grace in Christ Jesus and that the law has been fulfilled. And then he writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ set us free. It's not for the law that he set us free. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Paraphrase. Christ set you free once and for all. It was a one-time act that had a continuous result. He set you free, and now I'm telling you, don't go back to bondage. Don't go back into the law. He set you free from the law. By fulfilling the law and fulfilling the law in us. And so he anticipates the question that many of us will ask. Well, then, how do we live? How do we know what's right? How do we know what not to do? How do we know to perform? If we don't have the rules, if we don't have the list, if we don't have the law, if we don't have the principles, if we don't have the sacrifices and the ceremonies, how am I going to live? And eight times in just chapter 5 alone, he refers or he references the Holy Spirit as to how to live in freedom. That's how we live in freedom, in the Holy Spirit. Look at the verses. You got those verses, Karis? Galatians 5, 5? Okay, that's all right. She had them and we used them and that's it. Galate, let me show you the verses, okay? Galatians 5, 5. For we through the Spirit. How? How do we do it? Through the Spirit. For we through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting in the hope of righteousness. Look in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Hey, there we go. Somewhere. All right. Verse 16, verse 17. For the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Look in verse 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against which there is no law. Now, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh in its passions and desires. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If it is the work of the Spirit that has set us free, then it is the work of the Spirit that will empower us to walk in obedience to Christ. Now, typically, whenever we hear about the Holy Spirit, it's in reference to spiritual gifts. It's in reference to tongues. It's in reference to miracles or power expressions or someone we call down in our meetings or or whatever. But in reality, the Holy Spirit is the life and presence of God on the earth today. He inhabits every believer it should be experienced every day in order that we might express God's life in and through us. If we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to express God's life through us, and we're trying to express God's life by doing good deeds, what we're expressing is an imitation. It's a copy. It's the, not the reality. Only the Holy Spirit can express the life of God. And when he expresses it through me, it reveals the real reality of who God is. When we accept his invitation to reign in our life and cooperate with him, the freedom that was purchased by Christ, is realized in our daily life. How do we experience freedom? We talked about this before. Freedom's not doing whatever you want to do. Freedom's not doing anything you feel like you need to do, saying what you want, going where you want, eating what you want, doing what you want, watching what you want, dressing what you want. That's not freedom. That's bondage to what you want because that's what's calling the shots, what I want. What's the Lord of my life? What I want. He didn't free us to be in bondage to the flesh. He freed us to submit to the Spirit. That's why he says when you walk by the Spirit, you fulfill." there's no law against that. You fulfill the law. When I walk in that obedience, the law and sin no longer have a hold on me. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this. Now, the Spirit of the Lord... Now, the Spirit is the Lord. Okay? The Spirit is the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3.17. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, liberty. That's where freedom is found, is in life and intimacy with the Spirit. Freedom didn't come to me because I was able to keep all the rules. Freedom didn't come to me because I dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and kept all of the commandments. Freedom didn't come to me that way. And freedom will not be realized in my life now by going back to trying to dot all the I's, cross all the T's, keep all the rules and keep all the guidelines that I've set up. Living the way Paul tells us, doesn't mean trying to keep the rules in order to become something. I don't try to keep the rules in order to become a child of God. And in this case, I don't keep the rules in order to become free. He said, You are free. You are free. Live like you're free. Galatians 5 1. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Now look in Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. It says, for neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon you and upon the Israel of God. Walking in that spirit means living out of what Christ has already accomplished. And not out of what I can accomplish in my effort. It means Living holy. Not trying to be holy. Living holy. Why would you want to live holy? Because I am holy. He says I'm holy. It means living from victory and not trying to get victory. It means living loved. I'm not trying to get loved, not trying to get God to love me, not trying to get someone to love me. I live with the awareness that I am loved unconditionally. Now, that's kind of review, and we skipped through a bunch of it. So there are several things that are practical that the Holy Spirit does to enable us to walk in freedom. Okay? These are just real practical things that the Holy Spirit does in order to enable us to walk in freedom. Look with me in John chapter 14. We're going to start there. John chapter 14. Good, thank you, Karis. All right, let's look in John chapter 14, verse 16. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. That's an awesome verse. Let me show you a couple of things about it. First thing he says, he says, uh, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. The word helper there is also translated comforter. It's also translated advocate. As a matter of fact, There is no single word translation adequate to describe that word, the word in the Greek, paraclete. It takes an explanation. The Greek used it this way A paraclete is one whom you call to your side when you're in battle, it's one whom you call to your side when you're in court. He is an advocate. He was a comforter. That's the word that's used there. He's going to, and we're going to, in this context, we're going to use the the, the word comforter. He says, I'm going to send you another comforter. Now, you see the word another? In the Greek, there are two words for the word another. One of those words means I'm going to send you another of a different kind, okay? I gave you a gift, I'm going to give you another gift. I gave you a football. I may give you a Barbie doll. I gave you another gift. Okay? It may be completely different. All right? That's one word that's used for another. But there's another word that's used for another, and that word is alos, and it means another exactly like the one you have. I'm going to send you another comforter, he is going to be exactly like the one you have. The one you have now is with you. The one you're going to have is going to be in you. But it is exactly the same that you have now. Now, notice the context of this, okay? They are about to be extremely uncomfortable John 14, 1, he said, don't let your heart be troubled. Why would he say don't let your heart be troubled if there's not trouble coming? There was trouble coming. He said earlier over in Matthew, he said, I'm fixing to set you into the world, and it's going to be like sheep being released to a bunch of wolves. Does that bring comfort? I don't think so. These guys were about to be uncomfortable. (laughs) They were about to be disenchanted. They had in their mind an idea of what this Messiah was going to look like and he was going to come on a white horse and wipe Rome out and set up his kingdom and he rides into town on a donkey. Disenchanted. Lost. They were about to be disoriented. Where'd Jesus go? They were about to be have their hopes shattered. Remember when he was walking with the guys on the road to Emmaus, and they said, we were hoping this guy was going to be it. And now, in our assessment, he's not. And this is Christ's response to what they're about to face. I am sending you another comforter just like the one you've got now. As a matter of fact, when he says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans, that word in the Greek literally means comfortless. I'm not going to leave you without comfort. I'm going to leave. But you're not going to be without comfort in the context of me having been gone. Now understand, this is the disciples' introduction to their personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is... This is Holy Spirit 101. He mentions the Holy Spirit before this, but never in the context of Jesus being physically removed from them. This is the context. I'm fixing to be physically gone, but there's going to be another one come that's going to be exactly like me. And I think it's important to understand that the first thing Jesus wanted them to know was that the Holy Spirit was just like him and that he was a comforter. Isn't that cool? Here they're fixing to face turmoil. They're fixing to face stress. They're fixing to face fear. They're fixing to face this loss of hope. And the first thing Jesus wants them to know is you're not going to be without a comforter. And the first thing he reveals to them is he's going to be just like me and he's going to be a comforter. Not a miracle worker, not a healer, not a power provider, not a gift giver, but a comforter. I want you to know this. First and foremost, when he comes, he's coming as a comforter. To walk with you. To stand with you in whatever you go through. Now, I want you to notice the source of the discomfort. Okay? That's important. What's the source of the discomfort? Here's the source. Discomfort was brought about by a decision made by God. I'm leaving. That's my decision. The Father has chosen to do that, to take me out. I'm leaving. Not all, com- did not all discomfort is brought on because we've done something wrong. Not all discomfort is brought on because someone has wronged us. I'll tell you something else. Not all discomfort that's brought on us comes from the devil. Boy, that dispels that concept that, God would never do anything to make me uncomfortable. Well, that makes your comfort God. Sometimes discomfort is brought on by something God wants to accomplish in us and through us. It may be something new. No. It may be something different. No, no, no. I like sameness. I want God to be the same. He is the same. But there's so much sameness, you get to discover newness every day. There's so much of the same of him. I can't comprehend all of it at one time. So he reveals himself to me. It's different. It's going to require an adjustment in belief Attitude, behavior, and experience. Guys, I am leaving. I want you to know that. You you can pray till the cows come home. I'm leaving. Rebuke the devil all you want. I'm leaving. But I want you to understand something. I'm leaving you one that is exactly like me to bring comfort to you in your situation. God knew that his decision would be troubling to the disciples, and he did it anyway. We think if we get in an uncomfortable situation, this must have slipped by God, because he would never let me be uncomfortable. The truth of the matter is, it may well have been God that designed it because he wants to reveal more of himself. He wants to stretch us in our capacity to experience him and know him by revelation. He wants us to see his wonder. He even said, let me tell you the secret, guys. It's better that I leave. You think it's good now? it's better that I leave. Now, you know, you hear, oh, I just wish I was there with Jesus. You know, and Jesus says, no, no, it's better with what you got. Because I'm sending the comforter, he's going to be in you. It's to your advantage, he said, that I go away. Because if I go away, he's coming. And he's not going to abide with you. He is going to abide in you. Now, too many times... We determine on our own that we can only find comfort when our circumstances change. We get into circumstance and it's uncomfortable and there's pressure. Well, the only way this is ever going to change it'd be different. The only way I can find comfort is if this circumstance changed. For some of us, we think the only way we can get comfort is I, if I know everything there is to know about this circumstance, if I just knew. Listen, knowing is the last vestige of control. If I could just know, and I want to know, and I got to know this, and I got to know that, and, and, and we think the only way we're going to have comfort is if we know everything about it. Sometimes we think the only way we're going to have comfort if, is if this issue is resolved in my favor. So we try to find people to be on our side, so we can resolve it in our favor. I'm uncomfortable, and I need comfort. Some of us think the only way we can find comfort is if the person causing the comfort goes away, is out of our life, is no longer around. I don't have to deal with them anymore. Or some of us think the only way thing we way we can find comfort is if. We ourselves are removed from it. And so we change schools and we change houses and we change cities and we change churches and we change whatever it takes because this circumstance is so terrible and I'm not going to get any comfort until I'm in a different circumstance. I'm going to change wives. That'll do it. I'm uncomfortable in this situation. I'm going to change wives. And isn't it funny how this sweet little old darling innocent that we chose becomes just like our first wife? And we wonder, what? It's not the circumstance. It's not the person. Comfort is not found by having the right person. Christ did none of those things. The comfort he refers to is internal it's where the holy spirit resides and has nothing to do with circumstance location or any other individual but we become so focused on the solution that we have invented in our mind that we must have for comfort that we miss the comfort that god provides We reject his comfort because we're looking so intently in comfort over here or comfort over there or comfort in this situation. We reject any comfort that doesn't meet our criterion. The comfort that the Holy Spirit brings comes from me embracing him and God's perspective of the circumstance, of the person, of my own life. Until then, there will be no comfort because I am resisting what God is trying to do in bringing about this circumstance and this situation. It it actually starts whenever he draws us to him for salvation. He comes with comfort, comfort for our life, and we don't want it. We don't like it. We want to keep living life on our terms, under our control, and have comfort in doing it. We want to be comfortable in our sin. Christ brings comforter. He is a comforter to the lost. They don't want that comfort. We didn't want that comfort. I didn't want that comfort. Because it meant I was going to have to lay my agenda aside and receive him in order to receive his comfort. But look what happens whenever we finally wake up and realize that there's no comfort anywhere else except in him. And we just surrender to him. And the comfort and the peace that comes in that context It makes me uncomfortable when he doesn't acquiesce to my agenda. Come on, God, get with it here. Try to get you to make me comfortable in this circumstance. And I'm not comfortable. He doesn't let me be comfortable. But it's not because he's mean. It's because he knows that the agenda I have will destroy my life. And he loves me so much that he's bringing comfort in the person of the Holy Spirit. And I keep saying that, that's no, it's not that way. I want to keep doing this, and, and, and I want you to make me comfortable while I'm doing it. And he says, if I make you comfortable while you're doing it, you will literally kill yourself. Because that behavior will destroy you. <coughs> If I can begin to see him, if I can begin to see him as the comforter he is, when I blow it, I will be more likely to run to him instead of trying to hide from him what I did. I will run to him. This sin has made me miserable. This anger has made me miserable. This bitterness has made me miserable. This resentment has made me miserable, and I'm looking for some comfort somewhere. But we don't see him as a comforter. But if we saw him as a comforter, we would be more eager to run to him to say, boy God, I've messed up instead of trying to hide it or make excuses or blaming others or try to make up for what I did by jumping through religious hoops to make myself feel better. Okay, I'm going to do this, and that's going to... Anytime we get to the the phrase in our mind, I'm going to do this, and it's going to make up for whatever it is I've done, you just miss grace. You just missed him as a comforter because you don't do to make up. You just come to him and receive his comfort and his forgiveness. If I can see him as the comforter he is, when I am in distress or anxious or worried, I will more likely draw near to him and let him be who he is to me instead of seeking comfort through all the man-made solutions that I am accustomed to. We all have our answers for discomfort. But when I get comfort, I'm going to go to this place. watch this, listen to this, eat the. I know, okay, I, I went there, okay. Eat this, drink this. We all have these external avenues that we're seeking comfort in for something that can only be found internally where he lives. If we really saw him as the comforter, We'd be more likely to draw near to him and let him be to us who he is instead of seeking comfort through all the man made inventions that I'm accustomed to. He is the one that sees to it that I don't go into the battle alone. And let me tell you a secret he's there whether you ask him to be there or not. You don't even have to ask him. Just acknowledge he's here. Acknowledge he's the source of your comfort while you're in the heat of battle. I don't have to face the accuser without an advocate. I don't have to face the enemy who... uh, accuses me about how worthless I am and how sorry I am and what a loser I am and, and how worthless I am without someone to stand in front of me facing him and say he is mine he is right with the father because of what I've done we have an advocate that stands in with us it frees me from artificial aids, promise comfort, but only invite more stress into my life. How many of us? We have a source for comfort, and boy, we'll go to it. We get accustomed to it. We get addicted to it. And pretty soon, that thing that that once brought comfort now has brought more stress into my life than the situation that drove me to that implement. As I learn the voice and the presence of the comforter, it will bring comfort to my soul even in the midst of the storm. Is His voice to you a voice of comfort? Or do you see his voice as critical, judgmental, always pointing out what's wrong, always reminding you that you're a failure and that how unlovable you are? That is not the Holy Spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit. Even his conviction brings comfort. Here's why this is so important. As a follower of Jesus, I wrote might, but we're going to change that to will, okay? And you'll see in a minute. As a follower of Jesus, he might, scratch might, Put will. You, you can count on this. He's going to do it. There's no might, if, ands, or but. He is going to do it, okay? As a follower of Jesus, he will lead me into places and circumstances where we have never been before, never asked for, and are completely outside our comfort zone. He will there may be no comfort whatsoever found in that circumstance. And I am not there, possibly, because I've sinned or because I've done something wrong. I may be there because God chose to lead me there by His Spirit. Okay? Again, forget might, will. He will lead us to be around people that we don't know. A friend who says, I love the church, it's just the people I can't stand. He will lead us to be around people that we don't know. He will lead us to be around people that we have absolutely nothing in common with. If you're only around people that you agree with politically, that you have everything in common with, you're probably not being led by the Holy Spirit. He will lead you around people that are different than you. He will lead you around people that you don't know. He will lead you around people that you are intimidated by in the natural He'll lead us around leads you around people that you have nothing in common with. He'll lead you around hurting people, wounded people, dirty people, pretty people, weird people. See you're here. That proves my point. People of different political, social or financial dispositions. It will be people who offer me absolutely no comfort whatsoever because they are consumed with their own discomfort. And boy, am I going to be disappointed if I start looking to them to give me comfort. They're looking to you to give them comfort. And nobody gets comfort. The Spirit of God will lead you. The Spirit of God will will, I had might again, will lead us to do things completely outside of our personality. Things that are not, quote, like me. If I only do things that are like me, who's the king of my life? That's my gauge. I only go where things are like me. People are like me. He's going to lead me to do things that are awkward to my flesh, things that I have determined to be embarrassing, things that can only offer, things that can not only offer no comfort, but things that make me uncomfortable in themselves. But know this. We have a comforter. When we walk in freedom, we have a comforter that brings comfort when you're in those circumstances that you're out of your element. We have comforter who brings comfort when you're around those people that you would in the natural be uncomfortable around. He brings comfort in that situation where he's asking you to do something that's outside of your wheelhouse. Oh, I would just never do that. When we do that, we attempt to make God like us instead of seeking to be like God, like he is. He offers comfort within the context of each one of these situations. He longs to comfort us from within that we might have courage in whatever situation and whatever people we find ourselves around. That's the first thing he told the disciples about the Holy Spirit. He's going to be your comforter. He's going to be just like me. Now, let me ask something. This begs the question, do I know the Holy Spirit as a comfort? Is that how I know him? Where do I go for comfort? Do I go inside or outside? Where do I go for comfort? When I'm in those circumstances and situations. Outside would be people, books, music, food, alcohol, medication, control. I'm only going to be comfortable when I'm in charge. Well, Listen, if you haven't figured it out yet, you ain't in charge of anything. None of us are. And if we think the only way I'm going to be comfortable is when I've got all my ducks in a row. I shared with someone one time, a hunter loves to see all the ducks in a row. He pecks them off. The enemy says, get them ducks in a row. I know where they are. And I know how to attack them. Outside, looking outside for comfort. Or inside, where the comforter lives, where he dwells, where he abides, where he remains and will never leave you. That, my friend, is good news. That sets me free from having to come up with anything on my own. All right. Any questions? What'd you hear?
1: Anybody? I've always thought of the Holy Spirit as guide and counselor, teacher, and listening to you this morning. I realized what that what I was thinking was okay. He's the guy that makes the rules now. That's good. And in the context of what you just said, if the Holy Spirit does that as comforter first, it's a whole different ballgame than what I've seen before.
0: Mm-hmm. Let me tell you a little secret. The Holy Spirit, Listen, is this. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to keep the law. You don't need it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself and thus fulfill the law. That's what the Holy Spirit will lead you to do. He never leads you to keep a list. That doesn't mean he won't say, no, I want you to do this, but it's not because of a list. It's out of a relationship with him.
1: Anyone else? I got it. Oh, Jeremy. So people are looking for comfort. What I heard you say was, if I look to them for comfort, I will be severely disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) What if I actually trust Him and allow Him to comfort me and then seek to bring His comfort to the hurting around me? That's right. That's it. I, I It's okay. I'm able to see people hurting, and I'm able to see people who need comfort. And I think that I have a desire to bring them comfort. And my go-to is bring them the kind of comfort that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Right? Very good. Which speaks more to where my heart actually is about wanting to make them happy and not be uncomfortable myself. Right? Very good. So Second Corinthians 1 it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions, so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's a lot of comfort. Thank that good? I, I've, I've, just always, I've just always read that and seen that one of my jobs is to bring people comfort. But, but that misses it, right? That misses it. To to bring them the comfort, which means the spirit, That's right. <laughs> that I've been comforted with. That's right. Otherwise, if I give them what they're looking for, they're going to be just as lost as I was. That's right. Right?
0: That's right. And how do you do that? Well, you ask the Father, how do I bring comfort? I, I, I've, I've shared this with you before. I have friends who... Uh, his brother-in-law needed a car payment and he didn't have the money and he came to my friend and he said man I I have got this car and I need a payment and I'm going to lose my car if I don't have the payment and so my friend he was he was his brother-in-law and he said well I'll I'll help you out he gave him the money to make his car payment well it came time for him to pay it back he didn't have it and my friend needed the money to pay a bill And so he goes to the father, and he says, God, I I need some money to pay this bill. And God said, get up off your knees. He said, I gave you the money to pay your bill, and you gave it away. That guy's God was his car, and I had him right where I wanted him, and you bailed him out. Okay. So he got the money another way. So it's the, the way I bring comfort to you is I find out what God's doing in your life and how do I cooperate with that. It may be that I give you food. It may be that I give you housing. It may be that I give you all of these things. But those in themselves, we have learned ourselves, don't bring comfort. Money doesn't bring comfort. And if money doesn't bring comfort, more money's not going to bring comfort. And so we fuel that in lives when our responsibility is to respond to the Holy Spirit and say, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to do this to help this person?
2: Speaking of bringing comfort to hurting people, I want to share an experience that I had last Sunday. Uh, Cindy and I and uh, Janet went to lunch at Spring Creek Barbecue. We never go there. And speaking of how the Lord will lead you out of your comfort zone. We're sitting there and we're eating and then we start hearing this low wailing. And this man is moaning and, you know, and we're looking at him and we're just thinking he may be, you know, autistic or something, you know. And so pretty soon he starts just wailing out loud, you know, just crying. He's saying, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm sorry, Dad. Mm -hmm. And then he just leaned over to the side like someone in dire pain and just was loudly, just crying out loud. And I said, Lord, should I go pray for him? And I don't even remember waiting for an answer. You know, I was up and over there, and this is out of my comfort zone, and started praying for this man as loudly as he was wailing (laughs) and uh, continued to pray and then someone touched me, and I realized there were two other people on this side that had come to pray. And I just kind of looked, and there were the body of Christ had all come around that man, and we were just praying for that man. Ooh! <laughs> we prayed for that man until he was semi-comforted. He stopped wailing. And uh, before I started praying, I asked the man that was with him. he was his father. And I said, "What's going on with him?" He said, "He's going through some things. He's losing his family." Oh, man. And this man now I know what it the the hurt that I was feeling from that man mm-hmm. and the opportunity to provide whatever comfort the Lord was going to provide in that situation. Mm-hmm. And uh it was just it was an awesome experience, but it was also sad to see him going through such hurt. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's to me is God taking me out of my comfort zone, that's right. jumping up, running over in a restaurant and started praying loudly for somebody. It was not me. And also to know that in some way this man was comforted. Because mm-hmm. when we, we prayed until he stopped crying. And when he finished he got up and he started hugging the people that were around him that prayed for him. So I just wanted to share that opportunity, share that experience with you.
0: That's good. I don't know if I shared this with you. I shared it with Home Group uh, last week, I think. Uh, There's a motorcycle shop down in Waxahachie, and a couple own it. They're the sweetest couple they can be. And uh, I went in there the other day to pick up something, and she was out of town. But he was there. He's the guy that does all the mechanic stuff. And I said, "How are you doing, Paul?" He said, "Man, I'm terrible." He said, "I have had plantar fasciitis for weeks and it has come up my hip and now it's hit my sciatic nerve. And then it came over to this side and now I've got it on this other side." And he said, "I can't, I just can't do this. I've got things that I have to do and I've just got to get better." And so, I mean, I I didn't it was like it just I didn't even In fact, I walked behind the counter and I said, well, let me pray for you. He, well, what are you going to say, you know, at this point? And so I began to pray for him. And, and, I, and I had this sense that the Lord just said, Father, I'm going to ask you to see a marked improvement in the next hour. That something will be changed. That it will be different. And, man, I left just, yes, God, boy, this is going to be awesome. You know, you're going to do this. So I went back the next day. And she was there. I said, how's Paul? He's terrible. He may be worse than he's been all week. (laughs) And I'm going, come on, God. But as I thought back, the Lord said, I didn't tell you to pray I'd heal him. I just told you to pray for him. We have these expectations of what it's all supposed to look like. I mean, it it amazes me, these guys that pray for somebody that's sick, and when they get well, it was their faith that got them well. And when they don't get well, it's their lack of faith that didn't get them well. And that's confusing. See? It's a matter of obedience, to just be obedient to what the Father wants. I'm still praying for him.
3: Uh, Something that stuck out to me was the beginning You know, when you're talking about the rules, you know, it's not about rules. And uh, you said, I think, like eight times it says, live by the Spirit. It's by Him. You have to depend on Him. And when you're faced with a situation that you can solve for someone else, and you want to solve it, or you don't know how to solve it, the word that I just get is wait. Yeah. Wait on him. If you can solve it by your own means, out of your own flesh, he gets no glory for it because he you're the one that did it. Mm-hmm. He didn't show himself strong and mighty. So my encouragement to you, if you are in a situation that or... You're in a situation or you have someone that else is in a situation, the guy that needed money for his car, you know. And you, you can fix it, but it's, it's okay to wait mm-hmm. and not and, jump in. And he, the Lord is faithful. Test him. Wait until you know in your heart, okay, Lord, I really sense this is you. Mm-hmm. And you walk in it, and you know what? You might miss it. You might like, go back the next day and it's like, no, he's worse. Well, it's, it's the Lord training you and teaching you. Just wait. Be true to what you know is in your heart that he's leading you to do. Be faithful to that. And when you're not faithful to it, be honest about it and say, Lord, I, I, I was me. It's okay. It's a growing process. That's so right. let me encourage you, wait on the Lord, and he will show himself strong yeah. to you. That's good, Paul.